the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, one of the decisions you had to make this week involved what to do with two players who had been on injured reserve, those guys being Deontay Johnson and Anthony McFarland, and they both had their 21-day clock started because they had returned to practice. One of the things you said you would weigh in deciding whether they would play today would be their conditioning. What were you looking to see in the area of their conditioning? You know, there's health and then there's football readiness, and sometimes um, we can think that they're one and the same. They're not. Um, The start of the 21-day window indicates that they're healthy, and that is the reason the 21-day window exists. Uh, So there's an allotted amount of time between what we designate as health and then football readiness. And so some guys, as soon as they get their, gain their health, they're ready. If you have an upper body injury, for example, you might have spent the entire time that you were down running. And so it's, it's less of an issue. Um, but particularly for guys with lower body issues, sometimes health and football readiness are not the same discussion. That's why the 21-day window exists. That's why we make decisions within that 21-day window in a differing fashion. Sometimes guys are ready. Sometimes guys aren't. One of the things you said you and your staff did during the bye week was study trends in the game. Uh, How can what you learned help you moving forward? A level of anticipation. Um, You can see around corners. When you you step outside yourself for a while and you just see things that are going going on in the game, then you can ponder them. You can take an extended period of time to think about them. What would we do to combat this? Or do we want to participate in this in some form or fashion, whatever the trend may be? before it ends up at your front door and you got to make a timely decision. And so I love to, you know, stay connected to the game. Each and every week, man, I try to watch um, the touchdowns, the turnovers, the defensive touchdowns, the special teams blocks. And um, just with technology and things being at our fingertips today from a video perspective, uh, I try to stay really connected with, with interesting and ongoing things in the game in an effort to – decide if we want to partake or, or or accelerate our readiness. How does a receiver who can get himself open just with his route running help his quarterback? Separation. Um, the more separation you have, the less pinpoint accuracy is a is a variable uh, in the completion. And so the, the, the significant route runners, the guys that can create space at break points, um, guys that can get open both vertically and non-vertically, they're a big assist to the quarterback because – the accuracy component of it is lessened. Talking about the same kind of receiver, what what does he provide for the offense schematically that other receivers cannot? You know, I don't know that they provide anything schematically different. You know, you ask somebody to run a curl, they run a curl. Um, But I think the significant difference in in high-end route runners is the space created and thus the potential for the big play after the catch or the less – you know, emphasis on or requirement on quarterback accuracy. Uh, whenever you're asked about Kenny Pickett's attributes for the quarterback position, you mentioned that he's a competitor. How and where does that reveal itself in non-game situations? I don't know that it reveals itself in non-game circumstances um, to the naked eye, anything that's worth mentioning. Um, but um, when you see it, you know it. Um, I didn't have to wait till he got here to see it. The close proximity to to Pitt allowed me to see it um, in in the instances that that he did what he needed to do over there. 
Um, it's just a guy that continually and consistently rises up in weighty moments when things get thick as opposed to uh, shrinking. When the subject of team identity comes up, what does that term mean to you? You know, it, it just means boxing yourself in. I don't know why in today's game uh, would you, you know, talk overly um, in detail about your identity. All you're doing is teeing up your intentions for your opponent. Um, I understand the traditional component of the question, um, but it is somewhat of a misnomer in today's game. But guys like me are hesitant to answer it in in that truth um, because it seems like they're avoiding the question. But the reality is people openly talking about their identity in 2023 is really – um, making the sledding difficult for themselves. You better be multiple. You better be willing to take what what structurally is given to you or what matchups provide you. I think that's the component of today's game. Uh, the myriad of personnel changes on both sides of the ball, the specialization in our game, and the matchup components trying to get significant players in in, in ideal circumstances really permeate permeate the strategic component of our game today and it's less about this is how we do business so whether you talk about it or not is it important for a team to have an identity certainly there's 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 identities this is what we do in this circumstance this is what we do in this circumstance but it's not the global identity that i think is meant when the question's asked by today's media today's opponent the los angeles rams what are, what are the characteristics of a Sean McVay coached team? You know, they're going to be multiple. Um, they're going to work to stay a step ahead. They're going to have great balance in terms of their schematics, meaning uh, run game married with play action pass and misdirection game. They're going to have a rhythm, rhythm passing game that's going to work to keep your, your rush off balance. I think the screens complement that agenda. Um, and they're also capable of stretching the vertical field. Sean does a good job of establishing balance in those areas and making you defend all aspects of the field vertically and horizontally. Uh, Raheem Morris is the Rams' defensive coordinator, and you worked with him on the Tampa Bay staff from 2002 through 05. And he was the assistant defensive backs coach in 04 and 05 there when you were the defensive backs coach. Uh, what was he like back then? I claimed him on my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, man, I, I have had the pleasure of working with some quality guys. Um, he was an assistant, worked with me in the secondary. Joe Woods, uh, who's now in New Orleans as a D coordinator, formerly of the Cleveland Browns. Um, man, we were young guys. We worked hard. Uh, we challenged one another. We challenged the players. We were fortunate enough to be around some great players, Hall of Fame guys like John Lynch and Rondi Barber. And when you're a young coach and you're in environments like that, it's just a great platform for growth of understanding what excellence is, uh, what dominant play and players look like. Um, obviously, we all want a Super Bowl together down there. And so um, that changes you forever in terms of your outlook and perspective on what it is that you do. Uh, he's a quality coach. Uh, he was a quality coach then. We had a lot of fun, and we grew and grew together. In talking about his Rams defense, you said he used, utilizes fire zones and bogus pressures. What are bogus pressures? Um, seemingly like you're bringing more than four people, um, but you're not. Um, and so it might be three down linemen and a DB, and you drop a D lineman. And so instead of a traditional four-man rush, it is a bogus four-man rush it has the appearance of a blitz but it's still only four people um it's a nice 
awesome wrinkle. We do it. Um, a lot of people do it, um, but the quality and detail in which they do it is really challenging. In the four of his six NFL seasons that were not ruined by injuries, Cooper Cup has av- is averaging 98 catches for 1,238 yards and nine touchdowns. What makes him so effective? It's that route running component we were talking about earlier. Um, his ability to full speed cut um, and create separation at break points and, and thus lessen the importance of accuracy and create opportunities for run after. Um, he is a full speed cutter. He is an elite route runner. And he creates space uh, when he sticks his foot in the ground. And, and that's why um, he produces uh, the consistent level of production that you mentioned. We don't see the Rams very often. Who would you compare Cooper Cup to as a player? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that there's anybody right now that kind of jumps out at me. Um, you know, he might be the quintessential interior dude that's creating space right now. Uh, to be quite honest with you, or, or doing it at that level of consistency um, in production. Um, but when I think about him, man, that's what I think about. I think about a guy that creates space. Um, when he sticks his foot in the ground, uh, it's quarterback friendly. When you were asked about Minka Fitzpatrick earlier in the week, one of the things you said was, we expect him to be Minka no matter where we utilize him. What does being Minka look like? I, I think I think you know what that means. Like a first-team All-Pro. Um, he's been here, uh, whatever, four or five years. I think all but one year he's been first-team All-Pro. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about. Um, a dominant player who's capable of impacting the game in a big way. Um, you know, um, I don't run away from expectations that we place, place on great players. Uh, it is a big-time responsibility to be a big player, big-time player. It's also a big-time responsibility to coach a big-time player. Sometimes we think we're coaching when we get a C player to play B. No, sir. Um, you're coaching when, when A players show up consistently playing A. Um, you got to coach those guys. Um, and, and, and that's what I mean when I talk about it. Um, there's an expectation there. There's an expectation that he doesn't run away from. There's an expectation that I, doesn't, that I don't run away from as someone that coaches him. Um, I expect him to be Minka. For somebody like me trying to watch him, Besides looking at the stats, okay, how many interceptions does he have? You know those kind of numbers. What else makes him special? What? How else can a, a player at his position impact the game? The fluidity in his movement and play. Um, you know the the great players, particularly that play in space, they close distances, um, and so there's an intuition there that is on display. There's an anticipation that's on display. There's physical skills in terms of closing space that's on display. Oftentimes, they appear to be moving faster than others, or they see things before others do. Um, that's the feel that you get from a naked eye perspective. Um, sometimes they just got unbelievable athletic talent, and the burst is what you see. Sometimes they got really good vision and feel and anticipation for the game. Uh, a guy like Troy had both. And that's why oftentimes when you watch Palomalu, man, he appeared to be the fastest guy on the field. He was, but the anticipation component, the courage of his convictions in terms of anticipation and the willingness to act on it. There's a lot of people, man, that that can anticipate a quarterback sneak and watch a play clock run down, but who can run at the line of scrimmage, man, from 12 yards away and go airborne right before the snap and and do things like that. Um, 
That's what I'm talking about. What's the number one thing an offense has to know or do in the effort to deal with Aaron Donald? you got to put four hands on him as much as possible. Um, guys like him, again, we're talking about great players. If you put together a highlight reel of Aaron Donald's career sacks, I guarantee you 75% of them he's double teamed. And so don't act like putting two people on him is some unique strategy that's going to be the winning edge this week. No, you put two people on him as much as you absolutely can and you remain urgent um, because he sees two every week. They all do. Von Miller does. T.J. Watt does. The Bosa brothers. uh, The elite rushers. The dominant players. Um, I think that's a mistake oftentimes that's made um, by by strategy people and by those that play, thinking that, that four hands is enough or that that, uh, that is getting the job done. You know, T.J. gets four hands on him down in and down out, and just about every other week, every other week he's going to have multiple sacks and make significant plays that determine the outcome of the game. That's what makes those guys who they are, and obviously Aaron Donald – Needs no endorsement from me, man. He's a three-time defensive player of the year, seven-time first-team All-Pro. You better put two, four hands on him, and those four hands on him better have a high degree of urgency. Mr. Donald. Mr. Donald. That's the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast. Subscribe and download new episodes every week, and check out all of the other shows we have to offer on the Steelers Podcast Network that's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.